Chapter Two of Heroines of Service. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Heroines of Service by Mary Rosetta Parkman. Chapter Two, The Princess of Wellesley, Alice Freeman Palmer. Our echoes roll from soul to soul and grow forever and forever. Tennyson The Princess of Wellesley This is the story of a princess of our own time and our own America, a princess who, while little more than a girl herself, was chosen to rule a kingdom of girls. It is a little like the story of Tennyson's princess with her woman's kingdom, and very much like the happy old-fashioned fairy tale we have come to think it is only in fairy tales that a golden destiny finds out the true golden heart and even though she masquerades as a goose girl discovers the kingly child and brings her to a waiting throne we are tempted to believe that the chance of birth and the gifts of wealth are the things that spell opportunity and success but this princess was born in a little farmhouse to a daily round of hard work and plain living that it was also a life of high thinking and rich enjoyment of what each day brought proved her indeed a kingly child give me health and a day and i will make the pomp of emperors ridiculous said the sage of concord so it was with little alice freeman as she picked wild strawberries on the hills and climbed the apple-tree to lie for a blissful minute in a nest of swaying blossoms under the blue sky she was as she said happy all over the trappings of royalty can add nothing to one who knows how to be royally happy in gingham but alice was not always following the pasture path to her friendly brook or running across the fields with the calling wind or dancing with her shadow in the barnyard where even the prosy hens stopped pecking corn for a minute to watch she had work to do for mother when she was only four she could dry the dishes without dropping one and when she was six she could be trusted to keep the three toddlers younger than herself out of mischief my little daughter is learning to be a real little mother said mrs freeman as she went about her work of churning and baking without an anxious thought it was sister alice who pointed out the robin's nest and found funny turtles and baby toads to play with she took the little brood with her to hunt eggs in the barn and to see the ducks sail around like a fleet of boats on the pond when ella and fred were wakened by a fearsome noise at night they crept up close to their little mother who told them a story about the funny screech owl in its hollow tree home it is the ogre of mice and bats but not of little boys and girls she said it sounds funny now alice they whispered it's all right when we can touch you when alice was seven a change came in the home the father and mother had some serious talks and then it was decided that father should go away for a time for two years to study to be a doctor it is hard to be chained to one kind of life when all the time you are sure that you have powers and possibilities that have never had a chance to come out in the open she heard her father say one evening i have always wanted to be a doctor i can never be more than a half-hearted farmer you must go to albany now james said the dauntless wife 
i can manage the farm until you get through your course at the medical college and then when you are doing work into which you can put your whole heart a better time must come for all of us how can you possibly get along he asked in amazement how can i leave you for two years to be a farmer and father and mother too there is a little bank here she said drawing down a jar from a high shelf in the cupboard and jingling its contents merrily i have been saving bit by bit for just this sort of thing and alice will help me she added smiling at the child who had been standing near looking from father to mother in wide-eyed wonder you will be the little mother while i take father's place for a time won't you alice it will be cruelly hard on you all said the father soberly i cannot make it seem right think how much good you can do afterward urged his wife the time will go very quickly when we are all thinking of that it is not hard to endure for a little for the sake of a good time coming a better time not only for us but for many besides for i know you will be the true sort of doctor james alice never quite knew how they did manage during those two years but she was quite sure that work done for the sake of a good time to come is all joy i owe much of what i am to my milkmaid days she said she was always sorry for children who do not grow up with the sights and sounds of the country one is very near to all the simple real things of life on a farm she used to say there is a dewy freshness about the early out-of-door experiences and a warm wholesomeness about tasks that are a part of the common lot a country child develops too a responsibility a power to do and to contrive that the city child who sees everything come ready to hand from a nearby store cannot possibly gain however much some of my friends may deplore my own early struggle with poverty and hard work i can heartily echo george eliot's boast but were another childhood world my share i would be born a little sister there when alice was ten years old the family moved from the farm to the village of windsor where dr freeman entered upon his life as a doctor and where alice's real education began from the time she was four she had for varying periods sat on a bench in the district school but for the most part she had taught herself at windsor academy she had the advantage of a school of more than average efficiency words do not tell what this old school and place meant to me as a girl she said years afterward here we gathered abundant greek latin french and mathematics here we were taught truthfulness to be upright and honorable here we had our first loves our first ambitions our first dreams and some of our first disappointments we owe a large debt to windsor academy for the solid groundwork of education that it laid more important than the excellent curriculum and wholesome associations however was the influence of a friendship with one of the teachers a young harvard graduate who was supporting himself while preparing for the ministry he recognized the rare nature and latent powers of the girl of fourteen and taught her the delights of friendship with nature and with books and the joy of a mind trained to see and appreciate he gave her an understanding of herself and aroused the ambition which grew into a fixed resolve to go to college but more than all he taught her the value of personal influence it is people that count she used to say 
the truth and beauty that are locked up in books and in nature to which only a few have the key begin really to live when they are made over into human character disembodied ideas may mean little or nothing it is when they are made flesh that they can speak to our hearts and minds as alice drove about with her father when he went to see his patients and saw how this true doctor of the old school was a physician to the mind as well as the body of those who turned to him for help she came to a further realization of the truth it is people that count it must be very depressing to have to associate with bodies and their ills all the time she ventured one day when her father seemed more than usually preoccupied she never forgot the light that shone in his eyes as he turned and looked at her we can't begin to minister to the body until we understand that spirit is all he said what we are pleased to call body is but one expression and a most marvellous expression of the hidden life that impels all thinking things all objects of all thought and rolls through all things it seemed to alice that this might be a favourable time to broach the subject of college he looked at her in utter amazement few girls thought of wanting more than a secondary education in those days and there were still fewer opportunities for them why daughter he exclaimed a little more latin and mathematics won't make you a better homemaker why should you set your heart on this thing i must go father she answered steadily it is not a sudden notion i have realized for a long time that i cannot live my life the life that i feel i have it within me to live without this training i want to be a teacher the best kind of a teacher just as you wanted to be a doctor but my dear child he protested much troubled it will be as much as we can manage to see one of you through college and that one should be fred who will have a family to look out for one of these days if you let me have this chance father said alice earnestly i'll promise that you will never regret it i'll help to give fred his chance and see that the girls have the thing they want as well in the end alice had her way it seemed as if the strength of her single-hearted longing had power to compel a reluctant fate in june eighteen seventy two when but a little over seventeen she went to ann arbor to take the entrance exams for the university of michigan a careful study of catalogues having convinced her that the standard of work was higher there than in any college then open to women a disappointment met her at the outset her training at windsor good as it was did not prepare her for the university requirements conditions loomed mountain high and the examiners recommended that she spend another year in preparation her intelligence and character had won the interest of president angel however and he asked that she be granted a six weeks trial his confidence in her was justified for she not only proved her ability to keep up with her class but steadily persevered in her double task until all conditions were removed the college years were a glory instead of a grind in spite of the ever-pressing necessity for strict economy in the use of time and money her sense of values the ability to see large things large and the small things small which has been called the best measure of education showed a wonderful harmony of powers while the mind was being stored with knowledge and the intellect trained to clear orderly thinking 
there was never a too muchness in this direction that meant a not enoughness in the realm of human relationships always she realized that it is people that count and her supreme test of education as of life was its consecrated serviceableness president angel in writing of her said one of her most striking characteristics in college was her warm and demonstrative sympathy with her circle of friends her soul seemed bubbling over with joy which she wished to share with the other girls while she was therefore in the most friendly relations with all those girls then in college she was the radiant centre of a considerable group whose tastes were congenial with her own without assuming or striving for leadership she could not but be to a certain degree a leader among these some of whom have attained positions only less conspicuous for usefulness than her own wherever she went her genial outgoing spirit seemed to carry with her an atmosphere of cheerfulness and joy in the middle of her junior year news came from her father of a more than usual financial stress owing to a flood along the susquehanna which had swept away his hope of present gain from a promising stretch of woodland it seemed clear to alice that the time had come when she must make her way alone through the recommendation of president angel she secured a position as teacher of latin and greek in the high school at ottawa illinois where she taught for five months receiving enough money to carry her through the remainder of her college course the omitted junior work was made up partly during the summer vacation and partly in connection with the studies of the senior year an extract from a letter home will tell how the busy days went this is the first day of vacation i have been so busy this year that it seems good to get a change even though i do keep right on here at work for some time i have been giving a young man lessons in greek every saturday i have two junior speeches already and there are still more several girls from flinch tried to have me home with them for the vacation but i made up my mind to stay and do what i could for myself and the other people here a young mr m is going to recite to me every day in virgil so with teaching and all the rest i shan't have time to be homesick though it will seem rather lonely when the other girls are gone and i don't hear the college bell for two weeks miss freeman's early teaching showed the vitalizing spirit that marked all of her relations with people she had a way of making you feel all dipped in sunshine one of her girls said everything she taught seemed a part of herself another explained it wasn't just something in a book that she had to teach and you had to learn she made every page of our history seem a part of present life and interests we saw and felt the things we talked about the fame of this young teacher's influence traveled all the way from michigan where she was principal of the saginaw high school to massachusetts mr henry durant the founder of wellesley asked her to come to the new college as teacher of mathematics she declined the call however and a year later a second and more urgent invitation her family had removed to saginaw where dr freeman was slowly building up a practice and it would mean leaving a home that needed her the one brother was now in the university ella was soon to be married and stella the youngest who was most like alice in temperament and tastes was looking forward hopefully to college but at the time when dr freeman was becoming established and the financial outlook began to brighten the darkest days that the family had ever known were upon them 
stella the chief joy and hope of them all fell seriously ill the little mother loved this starlight girl as her own child and looked up to her as one who would reach heights her feet could never climb when she died it seemed to alice that she had lost the one chance for a perfectly understanding and inspiring comradeship that life offered at this time a third call came to wellesley as head of the department of history and hoping that a new place with new problems would give her a fresh hold on joy she accepted into her college work the young woman of twenty-four put all the power and richness of her radiant personality she found peace and happiness in untiring effort and her girls found in her the most inspiring teacher they had ever known she went to the heart of the history she taught and she went to the hearts of her pupils she seemed to care for each of us to find each as interesting and worth while as if there were no other person in the world one of her students said mr durant had longed to find just such a person to build on the foundation he had laid it was in her first year that he pointed her out to one of the trustees do you see that little dark-eyed girl she will be the next president of wellesley he said surely she is much too young and inexperienced for such a responsibility protested the other looking at him in amazement as for the first it is a fault we easily outgrow said mr durant dryly and as for her inexperience well i invite you to visit one of her classes the next year on the death of mr durant she was made acting president of the college and the year following she inherited the title and honors as well as the responsibilities and opportunities of the office the princess had come into her kingdom the election caused a great stir among the students particularly the irrepressible seniors it was wonderful and most inspiring that their splendid miss freeman who was the youngest member of the faculty, should have won this honor. Why, she was only a girl like themselves. The time of strict observances and tiresome regulations of every sort was at an end. Miss Freeman seemed to sense the prevailing mood, and, without waiting for a formal assembly, asked the seniors to meet her in her rooms. In they poured, overflowing chairs, tables, and ranging themselves about on the floor in animated, expectant groups. The new head of the college looked at them quietly for a minute before she began to speak. "'I have sent for you, seniors,' she said at last, seriously, "'to ask your advice. You may have heard that I have been called to the position of acting president of your college. I am, of course, too young, and the duties are, as you know, too heavy for the strongest to carry alone. If I must manage alone, there is only one course, to decline.' it has however occurred to me that my seniors might be willing to help by looking after the order of the college and leaving me free for administration shall i accept shall we work things out together the hearty response made it clear that the princess was to rule not only by divine right but also by the glad consent of the governed perhaps it was her youth and charm and the romance of her brilliant success that won for her the affectionate title of the princess perhaps it was her undisputed sway in her kingdom of girls it was said that her radiant outgoing spirit was felt in the atmosphere of the place and in all of the graduates her spirit became the wellesley spirit what did she do besides turning all of you into an adoring band of freeman followers 
a wellesley woman was asked the reply came without a moment's hesitation she had the life-giving power of a true creator one who can entertain a vision of the ideal and then work patiently bit by bit to carve it in the marble real she built the wellesley we all know and love making it practical constructive fine generous human spiritual for six years the princess of wellesley ruled her kingdom wisely she raised the standard of work enlisted the interest and support of those in a position to help added to the buildings and equipment and won the enthusiastic cooperation of students faculty and public then one day she voluntarily stepped down from her throne leaving others to go on with the work she had begun she married professor george herbert palmer of harvard and quite in the manner of the fairy tale lived happily ever after what a disappointment some of her friends said that a woman of such unusual powers and gifts should deliberately leave a place of large usefulness and influence to shut herself up in the concerns of a single home there is nothing better than the making of a true home said alice freeman palmer i shall not be shut away from the concerns of others but more truly a part of them for love is fellow-service i believe the home near harvard yard was soon felt to be the most free and perfect expression of her generous nature its happiness made all life seem happier shy undergraduates and absorbed students who had withdrawn over much within themselves and their pet problems found there a thaw after their winter of discontent wellesley girls even in those days before automobiles did not feel fifteen miles too great a distance to go for a cup of tea and a half-hour by the fire many were surprised that mrs palmer never seemed worn by the unstinted giving of herself to the demands of others on her time and sympathy the reason was that their interests were her interests her spirit was indeed outgoing there was no wall hedging in a certain number of things and people as hers with the rest of the world outside as we have seen people counted with her supremely and the ideas which moved her were those which she found embodied in the joys and sorrows of human hearts mrs palmer wrote of her days at this time i don't know what will happen if life keeps on growing so much better and brighter each year how does your cup manage to hold so much mine is running over and i keep getting larger cups but i can't contain all my blessings and gladness we are both so well and busy that the days are never half long enough life held indeed a full measure of opportunities for service wellesley claimed her as a member of its executive committee and other colleges sought her counsel when chicago university was founded she was induced to serve as its dean of women until the opportunities for girls there were wisely established she worked energetically raising funds for radcliffe and her own wellesley throughout the country her wisdom as an educational expert was recognized and her advice sought in matters of organization and administration for several years as a member of the massachusetts state board of education she worked early and late to improve the efficiency and influence of the normal schools she was a public servant who brought into all her contact with groups and masses of people the simple directness and intimate charm that marked her touch with individuals how is it that you are able to do so much more than other people 
asked a tired, nervous woman, who stopped Mrs. Palmer for a word at the close of one of her lectures. "'Because,' she answered with a sudden gleam of a smile, "'I haven't any nerves nor any conscience, and my husband says I haven't any backbone.' It was true that she never worried. She had early learned to live one day at a time without looking before and after, and nobody knew better than Mrs. Palmer the renewing power of joy. She could romp with some of her very small friends in the half-hour before an important meeting, go for a long walk, or ride along country lanes when a vexing problem confronted her, or spend a quiet evening by the fire reading aloud from one of her favorite poets at the end of a busy day. For fifteen years Mrs. Palmer lived this life of joyful, untiring service. Then, at the time of her greatest power and usefulness, she died— the news came as a personal loss to thousands. Just as Wellesley had mourned her removal to Cambridge, so a larger world mourned her earthly passing. But her friends soon found that it was impossible to grieve or to feel for a moment that she was dead. The echoes of her life were living echoes in the world of those who knew her. There are many memorials speaking in different places of her work. In the chapel at Wellesley, where it seems to gather at every hour a golden glory of light, is the lovely transparent marble by Daniel Chester French eternally bearing witness to the meaning of her influence with her girls. In the tower at Chicago, the chimes make music joyfully to recall her labors there. But more lasting than marble or bronze is the living memorial in the hearts and minds made better by her presence for it is indeed people that count, and in the richer lives of many the enkindling spirit of Alice Freeman Palmer still lives. End of chapter 2